March has arrived, and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Make sure to head to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 and March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action either, and with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. Remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong too, so whatever your passion is, Bet Online is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And on this week's episode of the podcast, brought to you by betonline.ag, I'm taking it back to recap a little Black History Month that we. I think somewhat skipped over, Drew. Yeah. Well, it's a shorter month, so... Yeah, and it was one day longer this time. So you know what? I'm going to reclaim a little bit of time, and we're going to talk about one of the most incredible stories in the history of soccer. Buckle up. This is Deadball Brothers. Welcome to Deadball Brothers. Wah, 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 wah. Double game week. Double game week. We are back. It's kind of it's kind of a it's a prolonged double game week at this point. But you know what? That's okay. This is a weekly podcast about soccer and history with a healthy dose of stupidity. A part of Blue Wire Podcast Network and brought to you by BetOnline.ag. What's up, y'all? We're having a good time out here. We're having a good time out here. Fresh off good. of fresh off of a wedding, we did. We had had a family wedding this weekend. Partied so hard. You might see uh, a video that I posted onto our Twitter of Drew just absolutely going after Sweet Home Alabama. That was probably the most tame I was the entire night. To That's you. true. That Drew, you were you were pretty lit. You yeah. were feeling it. We were. I was on a different level. So yeah, it, were, was, it, it was a good time. It was levels. There very, were levels there. Very happy for our cousin Meredith. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Meredith Southwick now. Yes. No longer Meredith Snavely. No longer Meredith Snavely. She changing that name. <laughs> she looks extremely happy. And you know what? Good for her. Good for her. We're happy for you. <laughs> there are enough Snavelys. There, there are enough Snavelys. And now there's, again, only one Meredith Snavely because Drew married a, a, Meredith. a woman named Meredith who became Meredith Snavely. Well, and she, frankly, it was confusing for a little bit. Well, it's actually still Meredith Moran. Well, yeah. okay. That's fair. So, is I mean, it Meredith Snavely on Facebook? No, no, it's just Meredith oh, Moran. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I mean, technically it's still Mackenzie Connell too, but Mackenzie changed it on Facebook, so. Yeah. I think yeah, it's mostly just out likes of, her last name. It's so. mostly out of laziness on our part, I think. <laughs> it's like way too many documents. It is a lot of documents to change. So, I mean, I I don't care. So, Super chill. Yeah. I mean, if she wants to change the name, she can. Yeah. If she doesn't, also, it's not my decision. Also, also cool. Like, whatever. <laughs> we're married, and that's all that matters. That's all that matters, baby. <laughs> but, yeah, we're feeling good. Uh, this weekend was exciting because MLS is back and all its wackiness and stupidity, and oh, I love man. it dearly. And Love uh, it dearly. Already lost one of the game's best strikers. Oh, man. Pouring out for Joseph. Joseph, Joseph Martinez got gone too tore, soon. Tore the ACL way too soon. Yeah, yikes! That's a big yikes. It's terrible. And yeah, that, I really, mean, that really are sucks. they saying he's done for? Yeah, for the he's season? done for the season. Oh. Essentially, before it even began. Yeah, he played 
two games before that for CONCACAF Champions League Dang. and scored, I think, two goals, two or three goals. Yeah. And then... Carlos Vela already has a stupid goal. Yes. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> Carlos Vela's dumb. <laughs> we love MLS. United uh, squeaked by. Ooh, yeah, heroically uh, <laughs> lasting for that draw against Everton. Shouts out, Gilfie. Thanks for being offsides, man. <laughs> uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, squeaked out that 1-0 win against Freiburg. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, it is what it is. And honestly, probably most importantly, Liverpool lost for the first time in feels like forever to n- not a good team to Watford. To Watford, who are in the relegation fight, they are, and they got they didn't just lose; they got stomped. They got crushed. Yeah, it was awesome. Best day in a really long time for United fans. Uh, well, best day, even an even better day, I think, for Arsenal fans that are still desperately clinging on to that invincible Invincibles, season. Invincibles, yes. Even though Liverpool and Man City have both uh, multiple times beaten the points record from that season. Hey, you want to know how many losses is 12 draws? Zero. Zero. <laughs> so, so, invincible, baby. Nobody else can say that. You know so. what Liverpool look like? Hella vincible right now. <laughs> so vincible, you can barely even stand it. I mean, if Watford can beat them 3-0, I mean... Who can't? Who can't? Probably uh, Norwich. Norwich, who are last place. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. That's it. That's the only team. That's, that's the only team. Adam, you have a, you have a story for us Drew, today. Drew, I do have a story for you today. And it's March 1st, which means that Black History Month is over. And I realized that we, a soccer history podcast... Didn't do any real black history in the month of February. Yeah. But you know what? February is only 28 days. And this year, it was only 29 days. So a regular month, every other month, would have at least 30 days. Which means this would be, in any other month, the last day of the month. So you know what? We're still celebrating. On March 1st, I'm going to bring you some black history. And I'm pretty sure... That this story begins earlier than any other Deadwall Brothers history, which isn't easy to do. When so much of what we're talking about pulls from the history of organized leagues and clubs, and most of those things occurred at the earliest, like, late 1800s. Yeah. So, like, we have a pretty defined time period that we're looking at. Is this story from the Bible? This story is not from the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) We are A.D. Okay, okay. (laughs) However... The story really begins in the late 1400s. Wow. So not too too far into the AD. Well, 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 for, at least 1400 years into I mean, the AD. Yeah, 1400 years that I guess it's a while. But a millennium passes. A millennium and almost a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the late 1400s, Christopher Columbus sailed to the western hemisphere. Oh my gosh. And specifically the island of Hispaniola. The island that now contains the countries of Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Good old Chris Columbus. No, not good old Chris. Not good old Chris Columbus. He's a terrible person. That's true. It is believed amongst historians that the African diaspora in the Western, Western Hemisphere began here, although it is not known if the African sailors Columbus brought with him were enslaved or not. In 1619, a ship from Britain containing... 20 and odd African slaves landed in Virginia at the colony in Jamestown. 
1684, a British ship named the Isabella made port in Philadelphia, containing 150 enslaved Africans that were then put up for sale, which seems to be the very first time that a ship sailed directly to the United States to sell slaves, as opposed to slaves coming with that were already owned by people. So Very dark time in human history. Yes. Yeah. The United States and many, many European and other world powers was built upon slavery. I know that you, listener, might have heard about freedom or ideals set forth by European philosophers in your social studies classes, but make no mistake, the United States became an economic power and from there a military power on the back of free labor and the enslavement of millions of people. But this isn't a story about enslaved people, not exactly. It's a story about freed people. In 1772, Robert Finley was born in Princeton, New Jersey. Now, Finley would go on to create the American Colonization Society. The ACS was a society that maintained that the best solution for free and freed black people, so both black people that were born free and people that were freed from Snavely. From, from Snavely. Snavely. God damn. <laughs> no, that's the worst. Oh, yeah, that is pretty bad. Big yikes. Ugh. <laughs> Black people that were freed from slavery, uh, whether by uh, their masters dying and granting them their freedom in their wills, which happened from time to time, or by um, people purchasing their own freedoms, which also occurred. Um, so they maintained the best solution for free and freed black people in the colonies and after independence in the United States was to repatriate them to Africa to set up their own colony there. Okay. This was ostensibly to counter prejudice and possible capture and enslavement or re-enslavement of free black people, but also saw support from southern plantation owners as a means of removing the influence of free blacks from their slaves in order not to disrupt or give ideas to enslaved peoples. Yeah. The movement saw support from a cross-section of abolitionists, a pretty small portion of free black people, and southern supporters. There were many black detractors at the time from this plan who saw the ACS as a means of upholding the institution of slavery, which it pretty much was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, the ACS succeeded in resettling thousands of black persons between 1820 and 1870 on the west coast of Africa, in a place known previously as the Pepper Coast and later the Grain Coast. The colony in Africa didn't really result in a haven for settlers, as they immediately did not get along or mix well with the indigenous peoples in the area, which isn't really a surprise. The people that came from America no longer shared anything in common. They didn't speak the same language even. Yeah. The settlers soon declared independence and referred to themselves as Americo-Liberians. The government of Liberia was established in 1847. Wow. The United Kingdom was the first country to recognize their independence. The United States did not until the 1860s after the southern states seceded from the Union. Sounds about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a perfect colony by any stretch. The Americo-Liberian settlers and their descendants were the minority, but they held political power and treated the indigenous peoples in the area as second-class citizens. Uh, sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate. This created a rift between the Americo-Liberians and the other ethnic groups in the area that never really healed. A century later, in 1966, a boy was born in a Monrovian slum to a mechanic and a seller whose names were William and Anna. 
His name was George Weah. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Here we go. Yeah, let's do it. Weah's talent for soccer was first noticed as a teenager for the aptly named club Young Survivors FC, Aww. which is, first of all, dope name for a club. Yeah. Second of all, it was actually really, really aptly named. The club was based not far from the Clara Town slum where Wea was born, and the vast majority of its players were born into crushing poverty. Monrovia and Liberia as a whole has kind of always been a really poor state. Yeah. Um, and Monrovia, the capital city, has like a ton of just like really, really, really rough areas. Yeah. Um, so... This is where George Weah was born, and this is kind of what he was born into. Like a, one of the one of the roughest and most poor places on earth. Yeah, more or less. Young survivors, however, were an exciting team, and its players soon began to make waves. Weah soon moved to bigger and better Liberian clubs. He made his professional debut, and even before the age of twenty, won the Liberian Premier League and the Liberian Cup. He caught the eye of some clubs in neighboring countries where there was more infrastructure and more money flowing into the game. And soon, he moved to play club ball in Cameroon, where fate arrived. He caught the eye of Cameroonian national team coach Claude Le... Okay, I'm pretty sure this name is in French pronounced Claude Lois. Okay. It looks like it's Claude Leroy, because it's yeah. R-O-Y. yeah. But I remember there was that hockey player, goalie, whose name was Patrick Waugh, and his last name was Roy. Yeah. And so I'm like, probably Claude Lois. Prob- yeah. Probably. I would imagine it's, it's pronounced the same way. I think that's safe to assume. Yeah. Claude Lois had a bunch of contacts in Europe who he thought would be interested. In particular, he called up a friend of his, a young French coach who was only a couple years into his managerial career and had just taken the reins at Monaco. That man's name was Arsene Wenger. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and George Weah's life was about to change forever. Hey, all you cool cats. You so popular and attractive listeners. The smartest listeners of all the podcasts, according to multiple studies done by us. Way smarter than the hosts of this podcast, <laughs> it must be said. <laughs> Thanks for uh, sticking with us through the first half of the podcast. We are now in the housekeeping section. A little and housekeeping. We have a review. We'll sweep the floors with a review. To share with you. Clean out the corners a little bit. This review comes from uh, Clay Snavely. Who is not named Clay Snavely. That is not his, his, not, his last name is not Snavely, it's Copper. But he we, may as well be an adoptive brother to the Snavely family. We accept him. Yes. The brothers really like Clay. I don't think Olivia knows him at all. But yes. the brothers really like Clay and... Our mom likes Clay, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Clay's a great friend. Even though Clay is the reason that I cut my thumb really badly right before well, okay. you got married. That was your... Because he told me, yeah, just use the chef knife to open the beer bottle like this. And I did. 
And I, I mean, did successfully open the beer bottle. Unfortunately, I also gave myself a scar on the back of my thumb that will never go away. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Clay is an experienced uh, beer bottle cracker. Yeah. If you will. Nothing um, comes between Clay and his alcohol. Any, any object he can use to open a bottle of, of beer. You, on the other hand, I am a, a novice. I, I, I'm just a square. When it comes to... I like a bottle opener, and that's pretty much it. I like a bottle opener. And I'm right there with you. Yeah. They're really convenient and easy to use. Yeah, I don't hurt myself ever using them. But in that specific situation, you didn't have a bottle opener. No. You just had a knife. There was just a knife. And you sliced your finger open. <laughs> yes, I did. Probably needed stitches on my wedding day, but you just put a bandaid on that and called it a day and i did the ceremony <laughs> and i did the best man speech and i danced my heart out and you know what it almost was, had to get the thumb amputated but we did not almost have to get the thumb amputated there was never a point well, just read clay's review i was gonna say lots of wedding <laughs> talk <laughs> all right clay snavely so dumb period this podcast is just plain fun somewhere between mispronouncing everything and familial Familial anecdotes, the Snavely brothers do a great job telling stories of football's soccer's, in parentheses, history. Give it a shot. You won't regret it. Thank you, Clay, and thank you all other listeners who are listening and giving us a review um, and stuck with us this whole way. Um, we've said it a million times. We're going to continue to say it. Yes. We are nothing without you and we're super super thankful for you as and cliche if, as that sounds and it's if true. you and if you want to leave us a review that would help us out greatly and we would also really really appreciate that in other news fpl is still raging and we have another fantasy challenge coming at you with the addition of the mls season we open up an mls fantasy league you can find that link on our twitter page um as you just click the link and it automatically joins you up if you have any MLS team at all, but it's just called Deadball Fam Jam. It's an open league. It's fun. Uh, my team is named Jan Grey Goose, and and I am the Face Punchers, as is tradition, which is a, it a never classic. Changes. It never changes. <laughs> but yes, you can uh, compete against us and engage in friendly banter on uh, MLS Fantasy uh, if you so choose. And Drew, I think we we'll get back to the story. All right, let's do it. back for the second half of this podcast. Adam, I had no idea. I guess I didn't have a good uh, understanding of George Way and his career, and I didn't realize that Arsene Wenger was involved in his path. Yeah. I uh, This podcast and this story started with a lot of like historical run-up because I think the context of the whole thing when you do the whole scope, is very cool and very interesting. Um, so, like, a couple of knowledge bombs that I'm dropping on people that not I don't expect necessarily everybody to know. Uh, one is that Liberia was set up as an American colony for freed and free black people from America. Yeah. In Africa. Uh, number two big knowledge bomb was that basically the reason that George Weah went to Europe in the first place was because a young Arsene Wenger went to Africa and saw him play. So cool. So. Yeah. When George Weah left Liberia, he left with a chip on his shoulder. According to him, the people back home didn't believe in him. 
He told the Guardian, When I left Liberia, everyone said I would be wasting my time. But they were wrong. I showed them they were wrong. I went to Cameroon, and I dominated. I went to France, and they doubted me, and I dominated. Yes. Yes, George. Go off. Talk, talk your shit, George. Go talk off, your shit, son. George. <laughs> Let's go. And George did dominate. Monaco signed Wea from his Cameroonian club for about 12,000 pounds. Oh, wow. That's really cheap. <laughs> It's so cheap. Yeah. Even for the time. I know. It was 1988. Goodness. It was, yep. Mm hmm. Oh, mm hmm. You know, you could have said like 1960, and you say Arsene, Arsene Wenger was like a really young coach at the time. And you still would have believed totally it. Totally would have believed it. <laughs> I said he was born in, I mean, Wea was born in 1966. I know. <laughs> so Wenger actually came and watched him play in Africa and met with Wea before the signing, which feels almost unheard of today for any coach to go to Africa to watch like a prospect yeah. play. So yeah. that was kind of wild to me. Um, and it was very, Wenger in general is very, very formative for George Weah. When Weah moved to France, he did not speak any French, which is important. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he only spoke English, which is the national language of Liberia. Uh, but Wenger did speak English. And the squad at the time had a couple of Englishmen on it, including Glenn Hoddle, who helped him feel more comfortable around the club, uh, where only, you know, foreign languages spoke to him. Yeah. So a couple of guys, including Glenn Hoddle, actually, like, kind of, like, took them under his wing yeah. just because they knew. Basically, it was like, oh, this guy comes in, he's coming in to this world from, like, yeah. a completely different... Yes way of life and he doesn't speak this language but he speaks our language so basically it was just like we're going to try to make him feel comfortable i love it when, when teammates do that oh That's yeah awesome it's a good it's a feel-good story yeah on the field however there was no disconnect or failure to communicate Wea dazzled with his speed and technical ability on the ball and emerged as france's top goal scoring threat in 103 appearances for Monaco over a period of four years, Wea scored 47 goals. So over four years' time, he was basically scoring a goal every other game. Yeah. Which is kind of nuts. Yeah, that for, is. For, a, for that pace to be kept up for such a consistency, consistently long period of time. Yeah, you can say, I was dominating. Yeah. You, you can actually say you that. You can say and that. it'd be true. Because it was. Yeah. <laughs> He also helped Monaco win a Coupe de France and reach the finals of the European Winners' Cup in 1992. Now, Wea eventually left Monaco and Wenger's tutelage for Paris Saint-Germain, where he continued to win trophies and score goals for funsies. And in 1994-95, he actually became the leading scorer of that year's Champions League campaign. So, still doing it. Like, yeah, yeah. not slowing down at all. Yeah, that's awesome. This earned him a ticket to AC Milan. At the time, an absolute powerhouse, and they were in Serie A, which was considered the best league in the world at the time. So late 90s, early 2000s, yeah. like, it's, it was pretty hard to dispute, like, that Italy was top of the game. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's weird, though, because now it's definitely not. Oh, Like, yeah. absolutely not. AC Milan... Well, yeah, I was going to say, AC Milan was, has like... Has fallen so far... Yeah. Uh, Inter has fallen fairly far. Juve is like the only club that's still 
pretty relevant. Roma is relevant. Napoli has been like. Napoli has emerged. They've been pretty consistent the last few years. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. Um, But Italy as a whole has definitely fallen off from where they were pretty steeply. Yeah. Wea also said to the Guardian, I went to Italy and they said it was the hardest league in the world. And they dominated there, too. Yes. Domination. Let's go, George. (laughs) Wea immediately won Serie A with AC Milan under head coach Fabio Capello. Yes. And his individual exploits in 1995, both with PSG and AC Milan, earned him the highest recognition an individual player could receive. He was awarded both the Ballon d'Or and the FIFA World Player of the Year in 1996 for his 1995 season. Incredible. To this day, he is the only player from Africa and the only player not from a European or South American country to receive these awards. Wow. I guess I didn't realize that. Every single year that they have given out those awards, it has gone to a European or a South American player. Yeah. And every single year except for 1996, in which George Weah won both of them. Yeah. I in fairness to the award, the last like ten years you've had Lionel Messi and that other guy. Yeah. And and that's and that's a run that has never been like duplicated anytime else when they were giving out those awards, really. It, yeah. But still. Yeah. It's kinda wild. Yeah. Um some of Wea's most legendary moments ever came for AC Milan who won Serie A again with Wea in 1999. One goal in particular sticks in the mind, a lightning run from his own box against Hellas Verona. Verona were taking a corner kick, which overshot all of their players in Milan's box and went all the way to Wea on the far side, who brought the ball down and launched his own counterattack with one touch. While Verona had plenty of defenders back, it didn't matter. Wea dribbled around and threw at least four of them before outpacing the last couple and hammering a shot from 15 yards into the bottom left corner of the goal. He raced down the field so quickly that the ball, with the ball that his own teammates trying to join in the counter couldn't catch up with him. It's like there's two people in the frame that are like sprinting, trying to like help him out, yeah. and he's running faster than them he's like, while nope. he's dribbling the ball. It's crazy. <laughs> it's such a cool uh-huh. goal. Teammate, okay, I'm going to mess this name up. Oh, no. The first name, this is the first name. Z-V, it starts with a Z-V, come on. Okay, yeah. Z-V-O-N-I-M-I-R. Zvonimir? Zvonimir? Yeah, sure. Zvonimir? Yeah. Zvonimir Boban. Boban? Boban? Boban. I don't, I, some old Serie A head is going to, murder me for not knowing this player. Maybe somebody can like give us a do a voice recording of how to to say it if they Yeah, know. send us a YouTube link. Yeah, that'd be awesome. He said, "It was an incredible run. We were thinking, when's he going to stop? When's he going to stop? He's not going to stop. He's never <laughs> going to stop." Uh, way of finished his career from 2000 to 2003 with stints at Chelsea, Manchester City, and Al Jazeera in the UAE, which is Different spelling than Al Jazeera, the Middle Eastern media company. Yes. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that it was the same name. Yeah. Wea's proudest achievements, however, came with his national team. Tiny, poor Liberia. They have never been much of a threat on the international stage, a product of the lack of assets the country was able to put into their own national team, and 
instability of their country. It was racked by multiple civil wars spanning the 90s and early 2000s. You remember when I talked earlier about how there were the Americo Liberians and yeah. then how they kind of took all the political power and subjugated all the people that were the in, in the indigenous ethnic groups? Yes. So, what do you know? Uh, the civil wars were largely fueled by the inequality that so often fell upon racial lines. Ta-da! Yeah. As ethnically indigenous groups in Liberia sought to unseat the Americo Liberians who had held power in the country for its entire history, and did for a large part. Because of these reasons, the Liberian national teams often struggled, even with the best player in the world. Wea even funded the team at points. Wow. He helped buy uniforms and helped to cover travel expenses so the team could play international competitions, even during conflict in the country. Dang. The team did have its golden age in the late 90s and early 2000s. They twice qualified for the Africa Cup of Nations in 1996 and 2002, the only two times that Liberia has ever qualified for the event. The team actually bore the imprints of the Young Survivors FC squad that Wea started his career with, that Wea, uh, blah, 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 where Wea started with his career 15, when he was 15 years old. This included, most notably, defender and national team captain Joe Nagby. Oh, wow. Oh, is that the father of... We're getting to it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> In 2002, Wea nearly propelled Liberia to its greatest ever triumph, a qualification for the FIFA World Cup. Liberia overcame significant obstacles to even qualify for the final round, defeating Chad over two legs with the second Liberian Civil War in full swing. They were placed in a final qualifying group with Ghana, Nigeria, Sudan, and Sierra Leone. And only the winner of the group would qualify for the World Cup. That's a pretty brutal group to that's, be in. And, and only the top seed gets yeah. through. That's, yeah. That sucks. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, it's not great. The Liberians were pretty magnificent. They trounced Sierra Leone both times. They split results to the Sudan, and they even took a victory off of Nigeria, one of the most successful African teams of all time, yeah. 2-1. to one. So they split games with Nigeria. They lost, however, both their matches against Ghana, which were two of only three Ghanaian victories in the entire group stage. Good enough for fourth out of fifth. So Ghana finished second to last in the group. But they beat Liberia twice. What the heck? Yes. Liberia wound up with 15 points total. That was good for second place. First place in the group was taken by Nigeria, who finished with 16 points total <sighs> and qualified for the World Cup. Liberia missed qualifying for the 2002 World Cup by one point. Dang. And... Was this was it two points for victories or is it three by two thousand two? Should be three. Three yeah. definitely should definitely be three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wea is considered one of the best players ever to never appear in the World Cup. Yeah, that's really sad. Following his playing career, Wea, who had campaigned against racism and poverty throughout his playing career and was constantly giving money to relief efforts, became involved in politics. He ran for Liberian president in two thousand five but lost mostly due to his lack of political experience and education, where the incumbent president, longtime Prez Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, had gone to Harvard. It's, it's kind of tough. Yeah, it's she like, she definitely had qualifications. I was going to say, 
professional soccer player, Harvard graduate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I get it. Yeah. I really do. Wei responded to the loss by enrolling in a degree program for business and administration from DeVry University. DeVry. DeVry, baby. (laughs) Successfully running for Liberian Congress. So he got into Liberian Congress after he lost the Liberian president election. And then... He ran on his party's ticket again during the presidential election in 2011, this time as vice president in their ticket against Sirleaf. Sirleaf won again. Yeah. Unfortunate. Wea then ran for Senate and won, actually this time defeating Sirleaf's son. Oh, wow. In 2014. Nepotism? I don't know. I, I'm sure her son is, is smart. Probably. Maybe. Sure. I don't I know. I mean... I, I don't pretend to be super well-versed in Liberian politics. It's just like whenever you see a relative of somebody... You, you just, think to yourself, like... It screams mm, nepotism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, this mm, is a little shady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Finally, in 2017, Ellen Johnson Sirleaf retired from politics formally. And Wea once again ran for president. In a final runoff vote between George Wea and Joseph Bokai, who was... Ellen Johnson Sirleaf's vice president throughout her years, Wea won with 60% of the vote. Wea became the president of Liberia. That's crazy. And then, finally, his playing career ended. Wait, he was still playing this whole time? No, but in 2018, in a special friendly match against Nigeria, George Wea became, to my knowledge, the only sitting president oh my in history to play in an international <laughs> soccer match. They had a friendly against Nigeria, and George Wea played. Did did he they started. make like a? Was it like in honor of him, or was it just I, like? I mean, a, yeah, it was like it was like a testimonial match. Okay, but they like actually had the the national teams of. Was it like a FIFA recognized friendly, or was I, it just like I imagine? I mean, it's a friendly, so it's like it was. It happened during a FIFA window. Okay, but it's like not. It doesn't have to be like FIFA recognized. Okay, I, I guess. Um, he was fifty one years old. Yeah, pretty old. <laughs> pretty old, but also. Pretty young for a president. I'm gonna. He probably could still play better than me now. Yeah, yeah. He'd probably definitely yeah. run game on us. Yeah. He officially retired after the match, and his number fourteen was retired. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Good you for gotta, him. You got to retire that number. Of course, the story doesn't quite end there. Yeah. Because Wea had several children with his wife, Clar Wea, who was originally from Jamaica. Oh. But Clar lived in the United States full time for several years. And that's where their youngest, the youngest way a child, Timothy, yes. was born in Brooklyn, New York. Yes. Holding French and Liberian citizenship because of his father and the option open for Jamaica because of his mother, Tim, the son of the sitting Liberian president and one of the greatest players of all time, plays his international soccer for the United States, the country of his birth, and the country that caused the birth of the nation of Liberia. Thank you, Tim. As we don't deserve you. But we're so happy that you're with us. Sorry for interrupting you. As does, sometimes, <laughs> Darlington Nagby, the son of George's teammate Joe. I was going to say, same thing with you, Darlington. Thank you for choosing us. <laughs> Liberia's national team today is nicknamed the Lone Stars because of its flag. A banner featuring horizontal red and white stripes with a blue square in the upper left corner of the flag featuring a single white star. Oh, really? That is Liberia's flag. Huh. 
I didn't know that. It's not 13 stripes, it's 11 stripes. Okay, why 11? Uh, it refers to the like the original tenets set out in the Liberian Constitution. Gotcha. Um, why but, one star? Because um, it's like one, essentially like one colony, like one, one state. Yeah. Um, but it is like designed to reflect the American flag and like the... The America, the America Liberian people, like, and their like descendancy through America, basically, uh, through the United States. Yeah, yeah. Except it was really just like a more of a blip on the map from America because they were like originally well, from. Well, I Africa. mean, I, I mean, kind of. No, no, no. I mean, a ton of those people, a, a ton of the people that were resettled, weren't even from Africa. Oh, really. Yeah. Oh. Because if you think about it, like, slavery really kicking off in the 1600s in the States, you had generations in between that and this movement. There's, like, oh, yeah. there's right, like almost, right. almost 200 years between that and this movement to resettle people in America. Yeah. So the people that went to Liberia I mean, from their home. America, yeah. America was their home. Yeah. They were born and yeah, raised yeah. there. Like, so, so like... It makes sense that it like the 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 language of Liberia is English because yes. of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, be, and because the, those are the people that held the political power for so long, so they kind of made that the thing, and then made the indigenous groups. Yeah, yeah. Play ball with them. Yeah. Although there are still like, I think it's had. I looked it up. It was like up to twenty languages are spoken in Liberia, which reflect um, all the different all the different ethnicities and stuff that were in the area that kind of fell under mm-hmm. this new colony and the new country that was formed. Um, actually, George Weah is ethnically not American Liberian. He's ethnically one of, belongs to the crew, K-R-U, or, okay. which was one of the ethnically indigenous groups. Oh, awesome. That yeah. encountered the American Liberians yeah, yeah, and yeah. then were just kind of like stayed in the area basically is, is he still the president of yeah. liberia mm-hmm. okay i guess i didn't n- know that yeah yeah it's um i believe it's four-year terms okay cool yeah oh, good for george uh either four or six-year terms i can't remember but but yeah, yeah, yeah he's he is still the president and does he seem to be liked yeah he like people are like people are, oh yeah people people him. are super into george way that's cool yeah, I don't really know the political scene in Liberia. Yeah, so so George Weah, I mean, the way he got into politics and the reason that he was super popular is because he spent his whole playing career like campaigning against poverty and helping like causes in Liberia. And who could hate that? I mean, <laughs> like, nobody. Yeah. So, I feel like everybody'd be on board. So so it's so like he he earned his popularity politically by the fact that he was just like somebody who put a lot of skin into the game in terms of like trying to make Liberia better. Yeah. Um, both via the money that he spent on the national team and like kind of funding them for a long time Mm -hmm. and also just straight up trying to make people's lives better in the country. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the story of how, and, Basically, a, a group of American people started a country that uh, gave birth to the best African football player ever who gave birth to a United States international. Yeah, that's so cool. 
it's a big full circle. Yeah. And it's a story that spans like five or six hundred years. Yeah, thank you for that story. Yeah, it's, dude. Uh, it's really important and so cool to see how like, just a, a little kid from an indigenous tribe in his country can eventually yeah. use the game, the beautiful game of soccer, to eventually become president and make changes for good. And help like, people. And help people. Like, like yeah. George Wade is big on helping people. Yeah, it, he seems, seems, it seems like, he from, seems from like, the outside yeah, looking in. Like he has a pretty pretty solid set of, of morals. Which I'm is, super into that. <laughs> which is very refreshing. Yeah, so refreshing. <laughs> wow, what's it like to have a president with a, with a big, with a great set of morals? I don't, I don't know. Man, that, that sounds... That sounds good. Yeah. That sounds like a good thing. You know what? Maybe we should not. Maybe we shouldn't get into this. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe for a different podcast. Maybe save that for a, for a podcast that's about other things. Yeah. Hey. Hey, you listener. We love you. So much. Platonically, but still intensely. Yes. Very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Hard love. Yeah. <laughs> maybe stop saying <laughs> that. Maybe stop using that word. Um, I know what you're trying to say, but uh, it's not sounding like it's it. Intense. Yes. It's, Passionate. Uh, yes. Yes, but also tender. Passionate, platonic love. Yeah. I was looking for a third P. Endearing way. Well, when mm. we're talking about soccer in words that begin with P, there is one that is used probably more than others, but... You could say that it's like a penetrative love. Oh my god! <laughs> and that's, I went there. That's the three P's. The, the three P's are passionate, penetrative, platonic. Yes, that is the love. In true soccer fashion. In true soccer fashion. <laughs> oh man, I'm so sorry. I just apologize to all of you. As always, you can follow us on social media at Deadball Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. If you have any comments, concerns questions about the podcast you can email us at yeah. deadballpod at gmail.com um drop in say hey we'll try to respond to you we, <laughs> in a somewhat timely fashion in a somewhat timely <laughs> i just responded to an email from a month ago so sick nice hey. we're, we're killing it yeah 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 we're, we're crushing it still dude. have a couple more emails to get to <laughs> <laughs> but but we're doing we're doing well. it we're doing all right <laughs> <laughs> and as always, uh, like I said before, if you would be so kind as to leave us a rating and review, we'd really, really appreciate that. It helps us get seen by more people, and it helps us grow. As uh, Paul Dombrowski pointed out, uh, we already have as many people in the MLS Fantasy League as we do in the FPL League, so that's cool to see like the community just kind of like slowly growing and getting a little bit bigger, inch by inch, step Brings by step. Tears to my eyes. Uh, just a single so thug of tears that, that fall one by one down, yes. uh, down one eye. Yes. And yes. that's and that's that's the man's way. <laughs> Showing emotion. Yes. Showing emotion is the man's way. Yes. Don't be afraid. Yeah. Emotion is good. Be who you are. If I have to give you one lesson from today that has nothing to do with our story at all, it's that uh go cry some. You beautiful people. Ah, gosh. Go I, cry a little bit. I feel like we should end this podcast. We're ending this podcast right now. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. Bye now. Mm-hmm.